It was a big week in Major League Soccer with the draft, trades, and announcements, and no team made bigger moves than Toronto FC. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Kolarsep. What's cracking, man? Nothing much, Garrett. It's uh, a crazy week in MLS. is mm-hmm. come and gone, and uh, it, it's funny how calm things seem right now, considering the way <laughs> so much stuff has been flying uh, in terms of MLS news, and... Uh, we obviously have to talk about TFC and the big moves they're making and uh, mm-hmm. everything else. The draft, Landon Donovan, MVP award, mm-hmm. uh, Marcelo Sarvis leaving L.A. We got a million things to talk about. Tons and, of things. Uh, we, we have to start. We don't usually start outside the U.S., but today we're going to have to start in Toronto. Whoa, 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 Ivis. Hold your horses. Before before we get in Toronto, we, we need to know, man. How was the draft in Philadelphia? Did you have a good time? I heard you had a good time. <laughs> you heard, yeah. I heard. That, that's, what, no, that's what the gossip websites are saying. That's what, that's what TMZ's reporting. Yeah, TMZ Sports uh, is reporting. Ivis Galarsev had a good time. <laughs> I always have a good time, let's be honest. Um, no, oh, the, the, draft was, the draft was great. Um, Philly, uh, the draft itself, the events surrounding the draft are always a good time because you, it, it's always part of the, the NSCAA convention. So you have you know coaches from around the country all gathering in one place. And it's not just coaches, uh, youth coaches. It's uh, you know people from all around MLS. Uh, the college game, basically every, everyone, almost everybody involved in, in soccer in America converges on the convention. Uh, so it's always a good time. Uh, and especially, you know, the night before the draft, the night after draft, uh, it's always good to see people and uh, catch up and, you know, have, have a few drinks and, and just catch up on old times and and see what people are up to. And it, it was a good time. I saw, I saw some of people out there, too, having, having a good time. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You're gonna leave it. Yeah, he shut that down. Real yeah, quick. I know you like that. All right, Iris. Right, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more of the draft uh, a little later on in the in the show. As, as you mentioned, Toronto FC. Um, in the previous show a week ago, we talked about the speculation of a possibility of Josie Altador coming over to Toronto FC from Sunderland. That is now a reality. Um, and I, look, this is going to be a good move for Josie Altador. Ivis, opportunity for him to resurrect his club career and I mean there's no question Ivis that he'll come in and, and score goals on Major League Soccer I think he's gonna do well and uh you know obviously no, there's no arguing that the guy had a horrible time at Sunderland uh things did not go well for him at all but it's just funny how um his career now is, is being completely uh portrayed by his time at, at Sunderland and look he had a horrible time there no doubt about that but all of a sudden nothing else he's ever done matters and i think it's pretty funny how mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's this crap forward who can't score and and he can't do that anywhere but the fact is he was in the top league in the world one of the top two leagues in the world and he was on a struggling team and he was he did really poorly and it's not all on the team he he had his part to play in it as well whether it was a mental block or just uh, just some just <clears throat> him just not being good enough for that level he wasn't good enough for that level, but it doesn't mean he's not a good player. Uh, I always find that a little a little interesting that you can just make that kind of blanket statement about a guy who's struggled in a, one of the best leagues in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's already shown in the Dutch league he can score goals, and when he was younger in MLS he, he showed he can score goals. And on the international level he's shown he can score yeah, goals. Yeah, let's so, not forget, I mean, he scored 12 goals for the U.S. national team the past two years, so it's not like he's not scoring at that level. Right, I mean, he can play. So I, th- I think um, – you know, it, I, I'm sure I, I'm part of the group that would like to have seen him stay in Europe. Uh, I know Jurgen Klinsmann is in that group, um, but it's hard to hard to argue with a, with a decision where you have a chance to make you know probably three or four times more 
uh, money than you would make if you had stayed in Europe. And that's the thing I think I think we talked about last show is that, you know, he was on three to four million at Sunderland. And look, the Premier League pays the biggest salaries in the world. There's a reason every player, quote unquote, dreams of playing in the Premier League. <clears throat> it's not because of the chance to play at Man United, at Chelsea. It's the chance to make the most money they can make on earth. We- and that's what Josie Atzador did. He was on a huge contract. And the problem is when you get to that point, if you don't do well, if you struggle, if you, mm. if you end up having to leave that league, it's hard to find anywhere else that will pay you anything close to that. So that's why he was stuck in a situation where even though there were options other places, he had options in Germany, Italy, France. There were other good top leagues in Europe that he could have gone to, but it would have meant a pay cut. And the only place he could go where he, he not only didn't have to take a pay cut, but he could actually get a raise – was MLS. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of hand-wringing already about, hey, why in the hell is MLS paying these salaries, these exorbitant salaries? Uh, and when it comes down to it, Toronto FC has the money. Their ownership group, they have the money. And and as much as the league is built around a salary cap and, and all this and that, the fact is when you have designated player slots, uh, teams can spend as much as they want within those slots. And if a team wants to step up, and spend the big money, they are more than welcome to. And that's what we're seeing with TFC. Uh, and I got to say, I give TFC credit because considering how much failure that club has endured and how many times they've invested huge amounts of money and then come up with nothing, the fact that their ownership group is still bullish on their investment, I think is a great sign for the league. Because think about a year ago. A year ago, all we were talking about, Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, they finally done it. They're an automatic playoff team. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna, you know, they could make a run at the title. The fans up there were saying, "Oh, this is the best team in the league." The hype train was in full effect, and they didn't even make the playoffs. And at that point, when that all went down, you're thinking, "Oh, this is it." They're, 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 the 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 owners of TFC, they're gonna give up. But guess what? Not only did they not give up, they're doubling down. They're like the rich guy at the blackjack table who keeps getting just destroyed by the dealer, and he just keeps it. He just keeps on rebuying. But guess what? He can rebuy because he has the money. TFC, their owners, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, they have the money. They're investing huge money because that market. It, Toronto is a great sports town from a fan support standpoint, but it hasn't had great teams, and it's kind of up for grabs for a team that can be, be a winner. And I think Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment, they see that as an opportunity. If we ever get this right, if we ever figure this MLS thing out, build a winner, be, build an exciting team, that team will capture the heart of that city. And I think that's what that's why they're putting all that money in. That's why they're spending millions and millions and millions. And I know some people will say, oh, but you know, is that good for the league? Is this, is this kind of like NASL? Uh, I get the concerns about that, but when it comes down to it, MLS isn't the one paying the majority of this money. Yeah, the Toronto FC owners are the ones putting up millions and millions over and over. Yeah, well, why people would say this is bad for the league that that just seems strange to me. Um, bringing it back to Josie Altador though, and the other thing for him, Ivis, at 25 years old, this is an opportunity for him to come back, show that he can still perform at that high level. Maybe a year or two. I know this is looking down the road to the future. And we, you know, you and I tend not to do that on the show, but still an opportunity for Josie Altador to kind of come back here, get his scoring touch back, and possibly, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, maybe he can move back to Europe and try that another chance for him rather than kind of slowing down Europe for a few years. All of a sudden, he's 27, 28, and then he has to come back to Major League Soccer. No options going this route, Ivis. I mean, he still has some options due to his age and how young he is. Right. I mean, you don't come here saying, okay, I'm coming here to go back to Europe. Uh, right now, the focus for him is to just get his scoring touch back, get his confidence back, 
and uh, you know get himself rolling again to to where he was when he was with Azed in the in the Dutch league. And I know everybody likes to rip on the the stats that he put up in the Dutch league and say, oh how you know anybody can score goals in the Dutch league, but the guy can score. The guy will score. And when you look at the team Toronto is putting uh, putting together around him, uh, it's 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 exciting to see. I mean, not not just signing Josie Altidore. Which took a big—I mean, six million dollars a year. That's that's big, big money. Yeah, it's some serious. I mean, money. we're talking—that's like Real Madrid money in Europe. When you, uh, you know, when when you want to talk about, uh, maybe not that we're not talking high-end Ronaldo money, but I mean, that's among you know high-end in the Premier League money. Um, and then they go get Sebastian Jovinko, Jovinko, <laughs> as as the Italian reporters uh, were were quick to point out. <clears throat> I mean, the TFC's not messing around. And yeah. uh, I know I said it a year ago when they made the moves, but I'll say it again this year. I, the, when you look at when they have they have Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, they add Jovinko in the summer. Oh, I know. Um, the, I mean, they're going to be they're going to be a, tough to stop. Well, and if you're Josie Altador, I mean, you have Michael Bradley and Jovinko feeding you balls throughout the season. Oh my gosh, it just it, I mean, I, that's scoring for him. Josie Altador has to be at least the the minimum has to be 15 goals for him going into this season. Just when you look at just the midfield <laughs> talent that's going to be around. I him. wouldn't say that's the minimum, but I'd say that's a good target i think that's a good number uh that he can get to um you know especially when you think about he's gonna miss a month for the gold cup uh he he can get there he, i mean i saw i still remember him as a 17 year old dominating mls physically partnering alongside juan pablo angel and and i mean he's a better player now than he was then obviously the league is a, bit, a better league than it was then but he will be on a team that is significantly better than the team that he was on in my opinion so so we'll see how it goes um but big moves for toronto <clears throat> and i get how some people will point to these these big salaries and say, is that healthy for the league? And I, I just think I don't think I think it, it's a little tricky when you try to make it an either or situation. When it's like, why do we have to sign these guys, Gerard, Josie, big getting paid peanuts? Now I totally agree that lower level guys should get paid more money. Mm-hmm. The minimum salary guys should. Uh, be getting a bit more, but at the same time, when it comes down to it, 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 those players who are signing those minimum deals, if they could make more money somewhere else, they would go there, right? I mean, you, it's not, uh, it's not as if MLS is stopping any of these players from going and signing in an ESL, going to to Europe. Um, but you know what? The the market is how it is for these lower level players, and it's up to them to play to get to that level where they can start making more money. And we've seen it over and over. Uh, players who 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 start you know, as Drake would say, start from the bottom, and they work their way up. So it would. It, I just think it's a little misguided, misguided to to look at those these high salaries and say the league shouldn't have them because you know what? If it, the league needs both, the league needs the 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 the, the players who who are making that in that mid range as kind of the the foundation of the league, but you need your star players too. Uh, whether it's international legend types like Steven Gerrard or, you know, if you can have U.S. national team stars come back, I don't think that hurts the league. I think it helps the league. I mm-hmm. think it it raises the overall quality of the league when you get more and more of these type of players in. Now, look, you're not going to pay every single one of them $6 million. I think that's a little crazy. But when you want to talk about a player like Josie Altidore in his mid-20s, a U.S. national team starter, uh, you know, has played in two World Cups, if you're going to get him to leave Europe, you're gonna to have to pay a premium. That's I don't know why that's a surprise. Same thing with Steven Gerrard. I know some people say, "Oh, why, why, why is the league signing Steven Gerrard? He's washed up and this and that." But listen, let me. He, he is is he at the level that he was in his prime with Liverpool? No. 
would he play for most teams in the Premier League still? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what gets a little lost. It's just people make these kind of broad generalizations of just Steven Gerrard is no good anymore. We don't, you know, why does the league need him? He can still play at a very high level. He has the star power. Players can learn from him. And there's so, there's so many benefits to those kind of signings. And I just think people can be a little blind to that because they get caught up in these big numbers and these six million, five million. Jovinko now reportedly seven million. It's like, but you know what? If owners are willing to spend that money, if individual clubs are, are willing to put shell out that kind of investment, that's not a bad thing for the league. It shows that the league is healthy and, and vibrant and strong enough to have its owners feel confident about putting that kind of money in. Um, real quick, bringing it back to Jovinko, he, he'll be coming over, Ivis, uh, in the summer on a free transfer. Um, I mean, what do you make of this move to a Toronto FC? And, and as we learned with Major League Soccer over the past few years, you know, bringing in DPs, that's not a measure of success. That's not going out and signing two guys. That's not an automatic path to the MLS Cup. And, and we learned that with Toronto FC last year. We've also learned that with other Major League Soccer teams throughout the past years. You have to have a whole team, you know, kind of, you know, a la LA Galaxy, we're able to find all those pieces. What do you make of this move of Toronto FC bringing in Jovinko? Well, this is a this is a signature moment for for MLS because it really is the first time we have seen a, a standout player from a world power sign in MLS in what is still kind of still his prime. It's still his his you know mid to late twenties. He's what is he twenty seven now? That's how I mean, old he, I am. Oh my gosh! Right. I mean, he <laughs> is still he's he's a highly coveted player. Premier League teams wanted him. Teams throughout obviously teams in Italy wanted him. So he's a he's a play a coveted player still in his prime from a top European country uh, that that hasn't happened before before it's been stars that have been kind of past their prime mm-hmm. David Beckham Thierry Henry uh, Robbie Keane so this is kind of a signature moment and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and what happens with Jovinko's career because it, it, it's not enough to sign a guy like that now you have to take the next step have him thrive here have him. Uh, enjoy his time here, have him really make an impact and have him really um, take his time here to and have it build his career because there's still that perception in the world of MLS as a retirement league, as not a serious league. And you and, and it's hilarious to me because there, there are obviously people in this country who feel that way uh, and they jump on any time uh, someone makes a kind of a mention like that. Like when Ashley Cole made the comments about about not ready for not being ready to retire, or re, more recently, Philip Lahm, the Bayern Munich. Uh, oh yeah, the, full, fullback. Uh, those are pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, what can you do? What can you do? You get these arrogant fullbacks who just, you know, they're so cocky, right? They're going to make these comments. Uh, but, but you know, kidding aside, um, the league it, it has that stigma. But a signing like this can help. Uh, and if he does well in the league, and if he continues to play a role in Italy, uh, if if he can still have a role with with, with the Italian national team. Um, then maybe that will show that, you know what, you can come to MLS and still have international career. The level of play in MLS isn't so weak that if you come here, your career is over on the international level. You you can't go anywhere from here, which I think is dumb to begin with because we've already seen in the past year alone uh, so many players that have, have, take, have, have come from MLS and moved on and made bigger moves. Uh, what do you talk about? I mean, Rafa Marquez was laughed out of MLS, went to Mexico, now he's in Serie A. Uh, you have Giancarlo Gonzalez, who who made the move after the World Cup from the Columbus Crew to Serie A. You have now the Colorado Rapids uh, midfielder Jose Mari, uh, who spent a year here with the Rapids. Now he's off to to uh, Spanish side Levante. So uh, we've seen it. We've seen players that can, can continue uh, 
to to use MLS as a springboard or who did not have their careers collapse because they played in MLS. Mm-hmm. I just think that's completely silly uh, perception of the league. The league is not – no one's saying the league's a top five league, even the top ten league in the world. You, that, you can't say that automatically. But the league is a strong league. Grow, it's a stronger league. It's a growing league. And I think – uh, people see that. I think if, if you, I'm pretty sure Jovinko at his age and at this point in his career, if he really thought the league wasn't a strong league or, a, or an improving league, he wouldn't come here. It would, it couldn't, it wouldn't just be about the money because he could go, he could go to China or or Qatar or India and make the money, right? I mean, if it was just about the money, but I think we're seeing when when you look at the list of players that are coming here now, when David Villa, mm-hmm. Frank Lampard, Gerard, Kaká, uh, it, it, you're seeing it, you're seeing a much bigger wave now than we've ever seen of talent coming to MLS. Well, and I think a lot of it about about that is is the progression of Major League Soccer to become that top-tier league. In, in the past, I it's just you, you had to kind of let these, you know, people who say, oh, these washed-up guys, which they're not washed up, but guys in their you know, early 30s coming over to Major League Soccer. And as you said, bringing in Jovinko, this is huge. 27-year-old guy, still in his prime. He, he, he was capped four times by Italy in 2014. Uh, he's still, you know, you know, maybe not a fixture anymore, but but still a guy who does receive his call ups throughout the year, you know. And then as Major League Soccer progresses, guys get paid. You know that number hit Jovinka twenty seven, and if you're from I from now, Ivis will be sitting here being like, oh, here's a guy twenty three years old in his prime signing with Major League Soccer. Here's a guy who's twenty two, and we're starting to see that progression. It takes time, but we're starting to see that. And you know, get guys getting paid helps. Maybe the new CBA will help that even further. That that's to be discussed, Ivis. But uh, but I think it's a great move for Major League Soccer. Question is, does Toronto FC have enough pieces around it to be a playoff team? You know, right now looking at it, you probably say yes, but hey, you never know. It's a, it's a team effort in Major League Soccer. DPS just can't get you there. You got to have everyone get you there. Well, you know, as far as, it, it's a first step, right? I mean, in terms of he's the first one, and and it, it, it is significant in that he's the first one. But now we'll see what happens from here on forward in the next year or two if we start to see more European players come here at a younger age, that's really going to be the, that's really going to tell the tale. Cause it's one thing to have one player take the chance, but uh, we'll see. He's clearly the test case. And if he does well, if his career continues to head in a good direction, even with him moving here, maybe that'll kind of relieve some of the stigma. Um, If the, if the league is seriously ever going to move up into that kind of stratosphere of a top uh, top 10 league in the world or or I mean they always talk about top five in the world one step at a time if you even want to be a top 10 league in the world you need to be able to start attracting uh younger players uh from not just your country you need to be also uh, when MLS is at a point when it can attract the top young talent from Central America start attracting some young talent from South America and having that talent develop and then move on from here I think that's what the league needs to have happen. And then another part of that is obviously that European market because, uh, you know, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's always been tough, uh, not just because of reputation, but also just financially. And I think if anything, now you have as some you have some MLS teams who have the financial muscle to compete with teams over there, and that on its own isn't enough because you have to have the financial muscle, and your league has to have the respect. Uh, in order for players to be willing to come here. And I think we're seeing that change. We're seeing that among players, seeing that change and seeing the league uh, start to be looked at with in a, in a little better light, even though obviously some people here in America still want to call it a joke and a retirement league and a Mickey Mouse league. And You know what, folks? You can keep on with all that. You can believe what you want. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. The proof is in the pudding. More and more players are starting to choose MLS 
that wouldn't have even been in the conversation three or four years ago. All right, enough Toronto FC talk. We've talked about them enough. Time to move on, Ivis. New York Red Bulls. 2015 has been horrible for them. With Mike Petke gone, they lost out on Josie Altador. They're signed to sign. They're trying to sign, excuse me, Sasha Kleschen. Uh, they had that town hall meeting. If you missed it, uh, you're missing out. I, I mean, Ivis, 2015. I mean, can New York get a reset button right now? They, they need one desperately. Well, I mean, I think they're already in that process of, of kind of getting through the disaster that was the Pecky, the Pecky firing. I mean, I, you know, they haven't called it a firing outright, but it was a firing, right? They got rid of him. Um, and it's just crazy because it's here we are two weeks later and, and people still can't make sense of it. Uh, I, I found it interesting. And I wrote about this in, in a recent goal.com column that it's interesting that for all the big news going on around the league, the one topic I was asked about the most by coaches owners, GMs, players, was Mike Pecky. Why did they fire Mike Pecky? And I thought it was pretty interesting because, I mean, I was at, I, I've been asked this by a number of people in the biz who should know how the biz works, and even they don't get it. Even they were left like, why would they do that? Why would they do that? And, you know, we talked about it last show. We got into it a bit. Um, and, and when it comes down to it, you know what? It's done. What's done is done. And all the Red Bulls can do now is try to rebuild not only their team, but the faith of the fans, uh, which is, is not going to be easy. And that town hall was an absolute train wreck. I, and it was, I don't, it was I don't, hilarious. Right. I, mean, I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think anyone should be surprised by that because, you know, emotions were, are, are obviously still very raw. Um, and, you know, Jesse Marsh, he's a sharp guy. He's a funny guy, very intelligent guy, good soccer guy. Uh, I think he could do well. Um, but I mean, there he he's talking about being being in an unenviable position to have to replace a, such a well liked coach, beloved coach, uh, and also do it at a time when the team was already in transition. The team was already going going to go through a rebuilding phase, and now he has to uh, you know appease these fans who are, a lot of them want him to fail. A lot of them want the Red Bulls to fail. Now it's crazy how how emotionally attached a lot of the fans were to Pecky. And I mean, I get it. I mean, I totally understand why. As I wrote in my column. Um, uh, it's just, but it's just, I don't know how they're going to pull it off. And I know they have plans. I know Ali Curtis has plans to make signings and to, to try to rebuild that team. Uh, it started off, I give them credit. You know, you say it's all bad news. It wasn't all bad news. They had some of the better news at the draft this week when they were able to pretty much bamboozle the league and, uh, the rest of the league's teams and grab Leo Stoltz, the star UCLA midfielder with the number 18 pick in the draft uh, on some, what I would have to call some shady shadiness, but we'll get into that later in the draft portion of the show. Uh, they are moving to try to sign some other players. As you mentioned, Sasha Kleschen, I know they've been in serious talks with the Montreal Impact about a big deal. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'll tell you what, I just don't see the Red Bulls uh, have, I just see them heading downward. And as much as I think Jesse March is a smart guy, as much as I think, you know he he's not a bad guy. If you're gonna if you're gonna make him if you're gonna make a mess like Red Bulls made, you could do worse than have Jesse Marsh to kind of help clean it up. But I still don't see them avoiding a slide. I think they're gonna slide down into me- mediocrity, and I think it is gonna be a rough year for the Red Bulls. Um, I, I did like what Jesse Marsh said at the um, <laughs> his opening line at the town hall thing was like, "You're not gonna like me. You may never like me, but I care about the team." I did appreciate the fact that he was kind of just like straight with the fans, but. I mean, look, it comes down to this, Ivis. Winning helps. And if he wins right away, that will help this out. But, man, you can see New York, July, if they're out of the playoff spot, I mean, it could get super. I mean, it's ugly now. It could get even uglier come as the season progresses if New York, you know, does indeed become, you know, one of the worst teams record-wise in the league. I don't 
don't know if they're going to fall that far. I mean, they do have some pretty good talent there still. You still have Bradley Wright Phillips. You still have Dax McCarty, uh, Lloyd Sam, Luis Robles, uh, Eric Alexander, who's kind of an underrated player as well. You have a young talent in Ambrose Oyango, uh, a highly coveted player, by the way. I know I know several teams that that have inquired about him and are and would love to to grab him in a trade. So there is some talent there, but the the it's it, you can't underestimate the chasm, the void that's left by Thierry Henry. And, mm-hmm. and when it's clear that they're not going to replace him with a, a, a comparable star, uh, it's just – how do you – you know, it's just so much to make up for. I mean, it's bad enough. They, look, they traded away Hamas Nolave. Um, they haven't yet signed anyone to replace him. Um, uh, my sources tell me they're close to signing uh, Andrew Jean-Baptiste, uh, the, the former uh, Portland Timbers Chiefs USA defender. He is not Hamas Nolave. No, not uh, at all. So, so I mean, who, where, where are the, where's the cavalry coming to help Jesse March clean this up? We haven't seen it yet. We always knew it was going to be a rebuilding year, and they were going to focus their energies on younger talent. I mean, Pecky was already bracing himself for that. He even talked about it at the end of the season. After the team was eliminated, he was already kind of starting to reveal that the team, the club was going to head in a different direction. Um, so for Jesse March, I mean, the guy's got a, he has a one-year contract. Ali Curtis has a one-year contract. <laughs> and uh, I, I just, it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know how you do Like, they have a year to clean everything up. And I just don't get, I, like, for me, what is what is the realistic best case scenario? Does anyone really think? I know the Eastern Conference is weak, but does anyone really think they're going to be a contender in 2015? No. I, I just don't see it. Well, and, they, they, and so, they haven't, and you look at the offseason they've had, obviously, they really haven't brought in any pieces. I mean, other than Sal Zizo, I mean, they really haven't. I think they brought in maybe one other guy. New York's had a Leo quiet Stoltz, offseason. Leo Stoltz is. Their I'm sorry. Best. I'm sorry. Minus the draft. Minus the draft. Know, but they I'm haven't. Just making the point. Leo Stoltz is their best edition of the offseason. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly uh, right. College player. So yeah. that tells you right there, like they have done nothing, and and you know teams are starting to report for preseason already. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I don't know, man. I just I, I just don't see how they're going to avoid it. And look, uh, it it, do, it doesn't hurt uh, a team like New York the fact that a Sporting Kansas City has moved out west. Uh, Houston Dynamo, who you think could rebound, moved out west. But look, the Eastern Conference still has uh, New England, Columbus, D.C. United, Toronto FC. Right off the bat, those four teams, those look, those for me, those are like four playoff teams. So uh, if you're lucky, the Red Bulls could be the fifth uh, or sixth, but it's not. I think that's a, that's a stretch. Well, the East is pretty weak. I nice. know, but. It's a lot of reclamation projects, a lot of building. I mean, NYCFC is still not. What about Orlando City? Could you pencil them in? It all has to come together. It's nice to – although I'm a little more sold on them now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I've spent spent quite a bit of time with Adrian Heath lately, and I've talked to to quite a few people about Adrian Heath lately, and I'm I'm, I'm really – uh, I'm really believing in that this guy is gonna gonna have a nice transition into MLS mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, as a coach. So yeah, didn't so I say thing. I said that like a month ago, and you and you said I didn't know what I was talking about. You're just talking out of your ass. I was, but <laughs> look at look at you now. This is what I said. But you got I, I, you need I, to I listen to me more. Opinions on actual like tangible uh, in, in insight input. How was mine not? Oh you my throw, gosh. Th- you throw darts at a board. That's, That's not true. <laughs> that is not no, true but, at all. Okay, but all right. Back to the point. It's not going to be easy the Red Bulls to make the playoffs. And if they don't make the playoffs, then all of a sudden it's back to the drawing board in a year from now. You're you're just kind of looking at at it. Who's going to be the next guy? Who's going to be the next coach that's going to step in there? It's like, I think, I just, I will say, I I don't know if I said it before, but I'll say it now. It's fine if you thought 
Pecky wasn't the guy to help you lead you through a transition period. Mm-hmm. It's fine if you weren't fully convinced that he could handle that, but he earned a chance. He deserved a chance. His results earned him a chance to show if he could do the job, and and he didn't get that chance. And I think that's what's that's what has shocked the league. I mean, that's it hasn't just shocked Red Bulls fans. It has shocked the league. It, it has shocked coaches, GMs, owners. I mean, I I. I have a laundry list of people that I've talked to about this that have asked me. I mean, they know I'm I, I'm based in the New York area. They know I'm around the team, and I've been around the team for years. And so I get I get asked this. I've been asked. I was asked this in Florida at the combine. I was asked this at the draft, and 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 it's just it, it just showed me how completely utterly shocking it was for Pecky to have been fired. So mm-hmm. this isn't just the emotional Red Bulls fan reaction to this. This is every almost like most people in the league. And you know what? Look. No one's saying Mike Pecky's Pep Guardiola. No one's saying that he was a tactical genius. No one's saying that if if he had stayed, he would have found the solution to replace Henri. No one's saying that. But he earned the right to have that chance to to sink or swim. He earned it, and to let go of the guy before he even got that chance, he he never failed. He never had it. He he, he never he had two he had two good years. First year supporter shield. Second year within a goal of an MLS Cup trip. So I mean that's. What I'm really curious to see is where he winds up next, because that's that's what because just the way Red Bull history is, he's going to end up somewhere and he's going to do really well. He's going to kill it somewhere. He's going to win. Mike Pecky is going to win an MLS Cup as a coach. I mean, I think you just put that in the book. Where that will be, that's going to be the interesting question. All right, I'm I'm writing that prediction down, Ivis, in my book of uh, Ivis predictions. So what was that? Oh yeah, Mike, Mike Pecky will win yeah. an MLS. He, I, I'm just saying, look at the track record, right? I mean, I know. Uh, the, the the Red Bulls fired Bruce Arena, mm-hmm. and then he went on and won multiple MLS Cups with the Galaxy. The Red Bulls fired, and now look, I know technically by the history of things, these guys were not fired because the Red Bull knows how to play the game. Red Bulls pay the Red 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 Bull pays everybody off at the end. They pay they pay everybody off to to remain silent. They are a corp, they are a company, a corporation. They know how to play the game. They know if they they throw a bag of cash at a disgruntled employee, they won't talk for a couple of years. Bruce Arena did it. He signed he signed a uh, an agreement so he wouldn't say anything, so he wouldn't rip them. And you know he he didn't rip them for a couple of years. One Carlos Osorio got fired. He went down to Colombia. He's won he's won like a half dozen trophies since he's gone down to Colombia. He's probably you know what he might end up coaching in Europe or coaching the Colombia national team one day. Um, Bob Bradley was pre Red Bull, but I mean those two stand out for me. I mean those two and so Pecky, Pecky. I don't know. He, it would be a couple years from now when Jason Christ moves on to the national team and and Mike Pecky takes over NYCFC as head coach, wins the title with NYCFC in. 2021 or some craziness like that. Would anyone really be shocked by that? I mean, let's be honest. I don't think anybody would. Well, another news around Major League Soccer, the league changed the Most Valuable Player Award. It now will say Landon Donovan Most Valuable Player Award. As uh, Don Garber said, Ivis, it was just a no-brainer. It was a little surprising, i got to be honest with you. I mean, for a 32-year-old who just retired, to have the MVP award named after him was a little. It was a little bit of a surreal moment. I was there for the the announcement of that. Um, look, you can't argue that he, he he's he's had the best career in the history of the league, right? No one can argue that. Um, and, and I think it's a nice touch. I mean, to kind of honor him for what he has meant to the league. So I, I'm totally down with that. Um, uh, I know I know a lot of people aren't happy about it. A lot of people are kind of like, oh, what are you kidding? He, you know, he should. You know, you know, it's not like he's dead. Why is he already getting a, a trophy named after him? I think it's a nice touch. I think it's a, I think it's a, 
he's someone whose career it's deserving. I think they could have waited a bit. I mean, I don't know what the rush is that they had to do it in immediately. I think that's a little weird, but you know what? I'm not going to hate on it too much. I think it's a nice touch for a, a player who, who with the career he has had. I mean, I don't know how you, I don't know how you can argue that it's not, it, it's deserving. Maybe the timing of it is a little bit, little kind of, I don't know. It is a little weird. Really? Yeah. It's just, I mean, I don't know. There's just like no precedent for it. I saw it's it. Just, I, see, I saw it and I was just like, eh, okay, cool. Next, next story. I'm not, it's, I'm not saying it's a crime of the century. I just think he just retired. What the, like, what's the rush? I mean, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, he, he earned it with his career, I think. I believe that. But, I mean, we could have let some time go by. I, I don't know what the... I don't know. I just think it was a little fast. A little fast. Look, we all know Don Garber loves Landon Donovan. We yeah. All, we all get that. And he, you know, Landon Donovan's meant a ton. He's meant as much to MLS as any player who's ever come to the league. I get that. Um, but I can see how some people would look at it and say, what's the rush? Why, why do this so quickly after he retired? Like his, <laughs> the, 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 the corpse of his career is not even cold yet. And here he is already with, with an award named after him. I think it's a nice touch, though. I, I, will, I, I like it. I just I was surprised that it happened so fast. Got got to keep that fire going, Ivis. That's what it comes down to, man. Got to keep that legacy alive. I guess I two, mean, I two two months after you retired. <laughs> hey, it's an excuse to to invite him back to stuff. I guess that's one way to look at it. <laughs> yeah, true, true. Um, also, this week, Major League Soccer announced that this year's All Star Game will be played in Colorado. I think I could make that, Ivis. It's right around the corner from me. And also, the reports that they may play Tottenham in the All Star Game, Ivis. Pretty, uh, pretty pretty good setup there. <laughs> there are reports. I said, I reported <laughs> that they could play top. Let's just get that straight. Um, it's not done yet. It's not a done deal. I've been hearing it for some time. Uh, nothing's been finalized yet on an opponent. I know some people were a little surprised by the idea of Tottenham. When, when they're playing in Colorado, they're playing at Dick's Sporting Goods Park, home of the team owned by uh, Arsenal's uh, owner, Stan Kroenke. I know that was a little surprising. But look, it's an MLS event. MLS, as we all know, has done a ton of business with Tottenham. When you talk about Clint Dempsey, of course, Jermaine, Jermaine Defoe, DeAndre Yedlin, so a lot of moves uh, made there between uh, Tottenham and MLS. So from that standpoint, you kind of understand why MLS would would kind of want to continue that relationship. And 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 I think Tottenham, uh, you know, they're 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 not obviously you know uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona in terms of star power, but I mean, I think having Yedlin there, mm-hmm. uh, having him come back, I think it's a nice touch. And you know, Tottenham's a pretty good team, so. Uh, if it is Tottenham, that'd be nice. Um, you know me, like I, I, I'm all for you know go get Barcelona, go get you know go get some high, you know get one of the big boys, get one of the Champions League round like Champions League quarterfinalist regulars, like when you can, when you can get like Bayern Munich last year. I mean, I think that was great. That was a great event, um, even with most of their stars not really able to play much in that game. But um, we'll see, we'll see how the event goes. Uh, I was a little surprised it was in Colorado though. I mean, San Jose's got their new stadium this year. Um, Colorado's hosted it before, so pretty recently I mean, too. Also, yeah, I mean, I, I, from that standpoint, I think I think it was oh seven, right? I would like to have seen it in a few other markets. Personally, I mean, obviously Portland just had it. I had heard uh, Seattle could possibly have it. Um, I don't know what happened with Seattle and, and why that you know ended up not happening, but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I, I'm curious to see how you know how uh, who who they end up playing and uh, see if it, it has the kind of successful. Uh, response reaction that last year's did. Unless it's the Sounders, Seattle doesn't draw well. What? <laughs> Come on, man. 
you really want to get trolled <laughs> at AZ Kicks. Uh, right? that's, 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 that's not weird. my that's not my Twitter. Oh, I, I, I really is. I'm the one that told you to change it. I can't believe I remember that. That was like a year ago at this point. What is it? Gary Clever? I'm joking, Seattle fans. Relax. Yeah, Relax before you, you... They're about to flame you on Twitter. You're not yeah. going to be able to log on. <laughs> Seattle Sounders fans are like the Liverpool fans. I, I, I had to. It's, it's, it's too uh, easy. It's too easy. Anyway, it'll be nice. Whoever it is, it'd be nice if it's time when we get DeAndre Allen coming back. Um, so we'll see. We'll see, who, we'll see who they end up playing. And uh, you know what? I, w- I don't know if I'm definitely going to go. Um, oh, stop it. You will. I don't always go. I actually didn't go the last time I was in Colorado, so so we'll see. We'll see. How I can drive. I can drive. I can drive up to Denver. It's a busy summer, my man. I mean, remember the Gold Cup is that same month. So that's also true. I'm trying to, you know, I need to work out. I need to sort of. Uh, yeah, the Women's World Cup. I don't need, at this point. I don't know if I'm have if I have to do anything with that. Cover that. Hypothetically, if I have to cover the Women's World Cup, then I have the Women's World Cup, the Gold Cup. I'm gonna be looking for some vacation time around then, so I might have to cut out the All Star game. If not, I wouldn't mind a trip to Denver. Um, I haven't been back. I, I've only been to Denver once in like the last ten years, and that was for the snow game. So it would be nice to go in the summer when it's not like a blizzard, blizzard conditions. I wouldn't mind that at all. Well, I mean, Colorado may be nice for the weather, but I mean, Ivis, if you don't go, I mean, I don't even know the next time I'm going to see you if you don't if you don't go to the All Star game. Uh, how far are you from San Antonio? I might be there in April. So <laughs> that's I a I can't drive there. That's too far. I can't help you, buddy. You need to work something out. You need to get. You need to move me to New York. That's what you need to do. <laughs> that's right, that's I'm, your I'm job. I'm on the case. Yeah, I'm efforting. I'm efforting right now. We'll see. We'll see. Man. Yeah, I th- I'm sure. We'll, I'm sure we'll cross paths this year a couple times. A couple times. We'll see. Yeah, I'll keep my fingers crossed. Are you coming? Are you coming down to Arizona for the uh, preseason games? Not currently part no. of the plan. But that can <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, if you have uh, you got a spare bed over there, I could crash at. Maybe, maybe I'll uh, I'll ponder it. I'll give me an excuse to get out there. Yeah. Oh, we do. We do have an extra bed in, in my beautiful house that I live in. That's clean and not like my uh, my bachelor Casa. pad I used to have. <laughs> Casa cleverly is, is uh, has been upgraded. Oh, it definitely has. I didn't realize how gross that place was till I moved out, or until <laughs> you said something when you came over. You're like, this place is disgusting. I was like, oh, it's not. I, I don't think I used those words, but it, it was a it was a bachelor pad. I mean, no, I can't hate on you. It's a bachelor pad. That's, see, that's, Listen, what I, living, that's how I felt. Living, yeah, but look, let's be honest. When there's a big difference between living in a bachelor pad. And living with a girlfriend or wife or, or being married, um, and from a cleanliness standpoint, because obviously women generally have higher standards of cleanliness than men do. So that's it. I mean, that's let's be honest. It's one of the reasons you get married, so they you know they can help you out in that that clean help clean up your act because we're all slobs. I don't know. know. I feel like I'm still messy still. Many most men are slobs, so it, it usually helps to, to get married or have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Relationship advice from Ivis Galarsip. Yes, if you, know, if you need advice, give us a call and Ivis will I'm help sure you I've out. Somebody with that statement. And guess what? I don't care. So there you go. <laughs> That's what the show needs, Ivis. We need people to call in and we need to give a relationship advice. I feel like that would take the show to the next level. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> SBI show. Yeah, like you could play like, you know, some you know, pretend Rico Suave guy from Miami or you know, you could give advice to all these like, you know, eighteen year old kids that listen to the show. 18-year-old kids aren't listening to the show. I'm right. sure they do. College kids, they got nothing better to do. This is true. This is true. <laughs> They're playing FIFA. They're playing FIFA, apparently. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, because yeah, they, got, they got free time. Um, all right. We're getting off subject because this is already a long show. We need to continue, Ivis. Um, with Major League Soccer news. Uh, speaking of Colorado, even though it's been a few minutes, but going back to the Colorado Rapids, they have gone out, been aggressive this offseason. They bring in Sarvis. They also bring in Sam Cronin. Uh, what do you make these moves that, that Colorado's bringing in for these guys? 
So he's going by Sarvis now? Yeah, you know me. I, I go by first name with some <laughs> of these guys. Marcelo Sarvis, yes. Colorado, look. I, I wasn't a big fan of the draft that they had. I mean, I did like their first pick. I'll give them that. Um, but they, we all know they had a rough year last year. Things really, the wheels came off second half of the season. But credit Pablo, Pablo Mastroeni has made some pretty good moves there to go get uh, Marcelo Sarvas and Sam Cronin to bolster their midfield. I think those are huge acquisitions uh, to plug both those guys into a midfield that already has Dylan Powers and Dylan Serna. Uh, that, all of a sudden, you're talking about a pretty good group right there, a, re- a quality midfield. Uh, I still think their defense needs a lot of help. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think they have to address that, and I think they're trying to address that on the international market. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, we'll see. I'm not, I don't know. I think they still have a way to go. A ways to go in the Western Conference at that. I don't think they're anywhere close to being a playoff team, uh, and that's not uh, that's not completely a knock on them. It's it's part of it. Part of it's a knock on them, but part of it is on the, just how stacked the West is. Uh, when you bring in a Sporting Kansas City, who is who is already a good team, and then and has has revamped their roster with moves this year. So for Colorado, it's 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 tough, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough 2015. But I think I think they will improve on last year. I think they they should be a better team. Than they were last year. Well, speaking of the defense, Colorado then shipped Chris Clute to the Columbus Crew, and and yes, I mean Chris. A couple years ago, you know, we're talking. Hey, this is a guy that could be on the U.S. Men's National Team radar. Got a little bit of a down season last year for him, but I mean, I have an outside back with tons of potential, tons of upside. Colorado getting rid of him. What you make of this? Well, I mean, he 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 obviously regressed a bit. He didn't have as good a year in 2014, um, but I think the fact that and I, I like I've liked all of Columbus's moves. I got to say, uh, I think Columbus picking him up says quite a bit. I think they see him as someone who could fit into the the the, the style of play that they try to play. And um, you know whether he plays right back or well, the thing is he's versatile too. I mean, I know he made his he kind of made his name as a left back two years ago, but he's naturally right footed. He can play right back. Obviously, Columbus lost Josh Williams uh, to to the expansion draft, so that was a big loss for them. But you plug in. Chris Clute, and and if you can get him anywhere near the level he was two years ago, then it's a, it's a huge victory. It's a huge, uh, a huge deal for Columbus. Obviously, the allocation money, Colorado, is is going to use some of that allocation money to to help them on the international market. Um, but for me, Columbus, I think I think that's a huge pickup for Columbus. Well, Columbus will have him and a few pieces they picked up recently as Major League Soccer's draft was held last week. Uh, a few things from it. I was Kyle Aaron goes first overall to Orlando City. No surprise right there. Yet a few other surprises. Uh, Christian Roldan slips. Uh, he goes down to the Seattle Sounders. But um, and you were at the draft. What were kind of your overall thoughts on, on everything that transpired on draft day on Thursday? Well, as we see, I feel every year there were obviously some surprises. There were some head scratchers. <clears throat> and you know what? There were some nice moments, too. There were some uh, some picks that were pretty shrewd pickups, uh, some moves that were made to grab guys that people wanted. Um, in terms of a head scratch, from the head scratching standpoint, Toronto well, FC. Let's start with the teams that did not do well. So so go ahead with the teams that did not have good drafts. Well, Or did not but, draft well. That was horrible English. Did not draft well. <laughs> well, for me, I mean, obviously the, the time will tell on these and we can – I think we're going to have to wait about three, four years before we really know. But just looking at how teams pick, I would say uh, Toronto FC had the biggest head-scratching move of the draft. I mean, taking uh, the North Carolina State defender uh, number nine overall, a player who wasn't even on the draft boards of most teams in the league, um, that was a shocker. That was an absolute shocker. And I know it came out later that you know that he, he, 
they saw him in the in the combine and and they were worried that the Seattle Sounders were taking him and I I just think they completely crapped the bet on that pick because when it came down to it they were worried about one other team uh, and for whatever reason they thought that team Seattle was trying to was going to get take that player and and that was never going to happen that was never the case talking to the people that I talked to. Seattle was not after him. Seattle was after Christian Roldan. They were trying to trade up to get Christian Roldan. Uh, and TFC panicked, I guess, or whatever, for whatever reason, they went and took a player with a number nine overall pick who they could have probably had in the third in the third round. They probably no one you know what? He probably would not have even gone in the entire first day of the draft. They took him number nine overall. And I thought that was I thought that was pretty shocking. Uh, they also took Skylar Thomas, a Canadian defender, who, you know, they obviously rate him. They obviously have seen him. They 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 like him. Um and he's an okay defender, but for me, I thought he went way too high. So from that standpoint, I thought I thought TFC, uh, in terms of getting value for the picks they had, I thought they did a poor job. Um, another team that I thought um, I didn't agree necessarily with their picks, but when you look at the track record, it's hard to argue them. Sporting Kansas City, right? I mean, when you when you run down the list of players that, that Peter Vermees has taken, it's hard to argue that the uh, against the fact that this guy knows what he's doing generally, right? Um, Saad Abdul Salam, uh, I talked to nearly a dozen coaches about him. And all but one uh, considered him one of the worst players at the Combine, didn't think he, he was very, he was a player who would do it, make it on the next level. The one coach who did say something positive about him was Peter Vermees. Peter Vermees talk, talked about him as someone he, he could see developing, as someone with, who, with the athleticism that he has, he could see him being molded into, in, into a, a good right back. And you know what? Guess who takes them? Pierre Vermees. Um, and and I'll, I'll break it down a little bit for people on on Sporting Kansas City and the draft approach. The thing is, right? So they 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 have their opinions. Now they do a great job of scouting, right? They they have they have a pretty uh pretty intense uh their setup, their scouting setup. They they might have one of the best in the country, right? One of the best in the league in terms of how they how they you know scout the college game thoroughly. Uh, Pierre Vermees, he when he finds players that he likes. He takes those players. He doesn't. He doesn't play around with. Oh, you know, I'm going to trade down, try to get that value. When he sees a guy he wants, he takes him. Doesn't matter if if it's a player who who, who, is, who most people project to uh, be worth a later pick. He's done it through the years, and it's worked for him. I mean, I can point out uh, there's been several instances where he's taken a guy who's maybe not rated as high as, as where Peter Vermees has taken him. And, and Peter Vermees has even told me. Because, uh, I mean, I, I've talked to him about it in the past. And what it comes down to is he doesn't want to dance around, trade down, trying to scoop up some allocation money. If he sees a guy he likes, he takes the guy he likes. And they address, they, they decided right back was a position that they wanted to address. He was the best right – Saad Abdul Salam was the best right back in the draft, in their opinion, the best right back prospect. So they went and took him, even though, for me, he probably could have been had later in the draft. Now – where I, I took, where I agree with Peter Vermees, or where I can understand why they took him when they did, is Saad Abdul Salam signed a senior contract the day before the draft, and he was given that contract because some team in the league um, this, uh, told the league we we like him, we want to take him. And according to Sporting Kansas City's people, they were not the team that asked for that. So obviously, there was at least one other team that was interested. So then Sporting Kansas City couldn't mess around; they had to take the guy they liked. And they took they took him for me a lot earlier than I think most of the teams in the league would take. But again, Peter means with his track record of drafting, you can't argue with the guy. I mean, Matt, Matt Beezer, Graham Zusi, uh, CJ Stepong, 
uh, Roger Espinoza. I mean, through the years, they've they've just done a great job of drafting. So uh, you know what? I, I didn't like I didn't that pick. Amadudia, uh, I, I thought that pick was a was a reach as well. So you know what? For me, I thought Sporting KC's picks were uh, weren't great value. But you know what? Until his track record, until he cools off with his draft picks. It's hard to argue Peter against Peter Rubens. Also, don't forget Dom Dwyer was also selected by Peter Rubens. Dom Dwyer, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that, although that was a that was a good value pick for like I thought Dwyer should have been taken earlier than he was taken. So, but yes, there he, you go. He still picked him. It just yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why like I, I, like I, I'm wary of, of of crapping on him too much because because you know of course like uh, uh, Abdul Salam's going to become the next like Tony Sana or something crazy like that, right? So. Uh, just based on Peter Vermees' track record. But just going off of everything, that all the information that I had gathered, talking to the coaches and scouts that I've talked to, Saad, Saad Abdul Salam was not rated that highly. But Casey likes him. Casey thinks they can coach him up. They, they think they can make him a fit in their system. And time will tell. Yeah, man, I'm looking at Sporting Kansas City's draft. I mean, Peter Vermees, you're right. I mean, Teal Bunbury is another guy. Just a lot of guys who are still playing uh, Major League Soccer. They, they, they don't have a lot of swings and misses, so that's why yeah. – for me, I like you know I can't I can't get on him too harsh, but I, you know I'm gonna say uh, in terms of value, I thought I thought they could have done a better job. Um, as, as far as the teams that did have successful drafts, in your opinion, Ivis, who, who would they be? Uh, I think Orlando City in terms of the picks, uh, the way that the picks fell out. Obviously, you know they had the number one pick, so they were going to get Kyle Aaron. Um, so that as a starting point, that's a nice that's a nice place to start. But then I thought the way the draft fell out. Surprise picks in the first round. You were going to have some good talent fall to them, and for them to grab Connor Donovan, a U.S. under twenty defender, another GA, another generation Adidas player, and then to get an Akil Barrett, who I thought was one of the more exciting players at the combine. I mean, that's a trio of players that you know, if you had asked them going into the draft, they they, they could get those three guys. They'd be ecstatic. So, I thought they did well. I thought Seattle, uh, the Seattle Sounders. I thought they did really well in terms of uh, being active on draft day. And making things happen, uh, they they traded up. They were very very aggressive in trading up to catch Christian Roldan, who slipped in the draft. And and you know I, I said it going in the draft that if NYCFC passed on Roldan, he could end up slipping. And he and and that's exactly what happened. He ended up slipping, and Seattle saw the opportunity to grab a player that they know really well. And uh, you know they 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 made Garth Lagerway and Siggy Schmidt were working the draft room. Uh, uh, you know, aggressively uh, trying to make trades to move up. And, and you know, it, luckily for them, uh, a lot of teams uh, started making some picks that, that were, were somewhat surprising. Roldan continued to slip, continued to slip, and, and they finally made, made, were able to make a trade with Real Salt Lake uh, to move up and grab him at 16. And that, for me, Christian Roldan, look, Roldan's not going to play day one and be an impact guy, but he is a highly skilled young midfielder who, if given the opportunity to be groomed and, and to and put in the right situation to, to be allowed to grow, I think he could be a great pickup. And he's going to a perfect setup in Seattle. Mm-hmm. They're launching their USL pro yep. team. Uh, you know, he's he, he's from the he's not from the area. He went to college in the area. He's familiar with the area, so he's staying in a familiar uh, location. Uh, and he's going to a great organization. So I think that was a great move for them. Uh, also, move, uh, moving up, uh, moving up in the second round. And, and drafting Tyler Miller, the Northwestern goalkeeper. Uh, for those not aware, Tyler Miller would have been a first-round value as a goalkeeper. Um, but he skipped the combine. He's supposed to go to Europe. 
uh, and trial in Europe. Apparently, he, from what I've been told, he signed a six-month contract in, in Germany. I don't know the name of the team, but that I've been told he had signed a deal. But if you're Seattle and you, you can get him, and if, you, and if in six months' time he comes back and he's on your roster, this draft is an absolute goldmine for them. Because to get a, a player who is arguably the first or second best goalkeeper in this draft and to get a player like Roldan, who's one of the most talented players in this draft, mm-hmm. And that's huge for them. That's it. That's it for for a team that that you know wasn't expected. Not, not much was expected from them going into the draft. I think that's huge. And they also, you know, quiet as it it, it was pretty quietly uh, uh, touched on. But they went and got O'Neill Fisher uh, later in the second round, the right back from New Mexico, who for me was the most impressive right back at the draft. I mean, at the combine. So for me, Seattle did well. The Red Bulls. Let's talk about the Red Bulls. They had two picks. The number 18 overall pick, they get Leo Stoltz. Now, now I'm going to run this down for everybody who, who, who didn't read up on everything that went down here. Leo Stoltz was going to be one of the top players in this draft, right? Top three pick, potentially top five pick, almost a lock to be a top five pick. But what happened was he insisted on he insisted that he go to a, either L.A. or New York. He tried to make those demands to the league. The league was like, no, we're not doing that. That doesn't happen. That doesn't work that way. Treat, uh, contract talks broke down. And Leo Stoltz skipped the combine and was supposed to be going to Europe, right? He was supposed to go trial in Germany. He's German-born. He has a German passport, obviously. He can go play in Europe. It's an easy situation for him. Now, what? And so when, when that came out, he fell on everybody's draft board because no team is going to spend a first or second round pick on a player who, who may never show up, right? Then what Leo Stoltz did was he called up the Red Bulls and he said, listen, I want to play for you. Pick me, and I will come play for you. I will come sign for you. And the Red Bulls are like, well, okay, we, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, we'll take a, a number. We'll take a top five talent at number eighteen. Where do we sign? And that's exactly what happened. And it's funny to me that people were actually surprised by this. I mean, I was, I was writing about this four, four days ago. I projected Leo Stoltz to the Red Bulls twice between the combine and the draft. So it wasn't like it was a complete secret. This was this was make this was happening. Credit and, and look, it's a Christmas. It's a late Christmas present for for the Red Bulls, and it has to be concerned. It has to be concerning for for MLS because, you know, they they, they don't want to have college players dictating where they go. Obviously, this is a unique situation because he's he, he's a German player. Uh, you know, he, he's he's a German born player, so he has that option of Europe, uh, and and that doesn't always happen, right? Where you have German born player or foreign born players with the European option being able to dictate where they go. Um, but I tell you what, I think I don't know what the league can do to stop this kind of thing from happening again. But I'm sure MLS is looking into it. So uh, Red Bulls, from that standpoint, DC United. I like DC United's draft with the two players that they were able to get in uh, in Miguel Aguilar and Dan Metzger. Uh, I thought Philadelphia had a pretty good draft as well. Uh, and I tell you what, Montreal they had the number three pick, Romario Williams. If you're asking me for a guy who I think could could be a surprise kind of star revelation out of this draft. There's something about Romario Williams I like. Let's remember this in three, four years' time. I think this kid could be something special. What's, what's going on here? I mean, it seems like all the teams that you mentioned are all teams on the Eastern Conference that had good drafts. Did, did no one in the West take this seriously? I don't know about that. I just think the East had a lot of high <laughs> picks. Um, as far as the West, well, Seattle. I talked about Seattle. Seattle yeah, won. Um, I think Portland. I think Portland grabbing uh, Nick Beasler. I think that was a nice pick, pick for them. Um and uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think more East teams did better. I mean, that's uh, some years you're going to have that, uh, and, and that's the thing too. Like, uh, oh no, oh, you know what? Portland, I'll say Portland 
and Seattle are the West teams that stood out to me. Because Portland, to get Nick Beasley, obviously, when you have a top five pick, you're going to get somebody. But then in the second round, they were able to get Andy Toma uh, with number 24 pick overall. Andy Toma was on some teams' boards as the top-rated left back in the entire draft. Uh, so to be able to get him as a second-round value, I thought was pretty good. They also went and got the combine MVP, Christian Valeski, who, let's face it, the track record of combine MVPs isn't exactly a good one. Uh, he, he's not, you know, he's a SIU Ed, Edwardsville kid. Um, he, I didn't have him rated that highly, but, you know, he showed some things at the, at the combine. So, uh, but overall, I thought Portland had a pretty good draft. But, yeah, no, I will, I will agree that the, I think more East teams uh, did well. But then again, the uh, you know, Toronto FC, East team that, for me, did not do well. Yeah, with their three first-round draft picks, with their three first-round selection that they had. Right. Can't talk. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Swing and a miss on all three. Um, I was t- time to move on from, from Major League Soccer news and talk U.S. men's national team. We're just over a little bit over a week away um, from the U.S.'s first game of 2015, which will be against Chile down in South America. Camp is rolling around. We didn't have a chance to talk about this on the last show. Matt Hedges, clearly Jurgen Klinsmann, listened to you. Matt Hedges was invited into the camp. Josie Altidore is into the camp as well. Uh, Jermaine Jones still adjusting to life at center back. Ivis, what, what's the latest on the front for the U.S. men's national team in January camp? Well, I couldn't tell you because I'm not there. Oh, so. come on. You know. You know these <laughs> things. I am. I have just awoken from my uh, MLS draft coma, so I'm afraid I can't help you there. But yes, no. It was good to see Matt Hedges called in. Uh, I think you know. I think he was he was on that list with obviously Jesse's artist as a player. I think a lot of people wanted to see get a look. I think that's positive. Um, and you know, they got some interesting things coming out of camp. You have uh, Tesho Akindele apparently still claiming that. He hasn't made a decision yet. Uh, um, apparently, he hasn't gotten a memo that Canada wants nothing to do with him now after he snubbed them. And uh, until there's a coaching change with Canada, I don't think he will get another look even if he wants one. So from that standpoint, Tesho, get comfortable. The U.S. is pretty much the team you're going to have to try to hang around with for a while because Canada is not going to be an option for any – it's not going to be an option anytime soon based on what I've been told. So I think that's interesting. I think Bobby – it is interesting. And Bobby Wood is looking for a, a, a club move this winter. Uh, it looks like the worm has turned for him at 1860 Munich. It's time for him to make a change. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Aaron Klinsman is suggesting MLS for him. I'm sure he'll be here any day now as an MLS player. I'm kidding. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how that goes, Bobby Wood. Uh, how, how, would that, how would that conversation sound like, Ivis? <coughs> Bobby, you cannot go. Uh, all right, I'm doing my Schwarzenegger. <laughs> to be fair, I'm sick. I'm a little sick. I can't get my my full my proper. That was the worst Jurgen you've had I'm so sick. far. I'm sick. I look. I'm fighting. I'm I'm sick right now. I'm struggling. Uh, that was more like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That was Ando than it was. <laughs> but uh, no, nah. um, no. But you know what? For people who've seen the national team in recent games, they've seen Bobby Wood uh, be on the end of a lot of chances and not finish them. I think he's a talented player. I think if you put him in the right situation, I think he could blossom. Um, and you know what? All kidding aside, I think he could do well in MLS. I think he could come to MLS and it'd be a nice place for him to develop. He, so he's been look. I know he's missed his chances with with the senior team, but he every single game I've he's put himself in those positions though, which which to me that's a positive. Now the next step is finishing, but the fact that he gets himself in those positions. You know, that makes me kind of sit there and go, hmm, okay, Bobby Wood has some potential. Maybe a move, like you said, Major League Soccer could be good for him. 
he's a good player. These these players they go to this <laughs> benchmarks. These, these players have these benchmarks in the January camp, and Bobby Wood is one of those players. So that's yeah, good. That was, that was better. That's a little better. That was a little better. I had, to, I had to clear my throat a little bit. But yeah, no, uh, no you know what? But, uh, no, but I'm serious. Like I, I don't know who. You, hey, per, hey, Columbus Crew, Greg <laughs> Berhalter used to play at 1860. I'm totally throwing that out of there. Yeah. I, like I haven't heard anything. I have no no info. I, I just it just came to my mind. Greg Berhalter. Yes, oh guys. my god! It's, like this just pops into your mind out of nowhere. Oh, no, I'm dead serious. Like it, it just no. Because all right, I don't think you're. It's funny because I I, I want to say Jurgen Klinsmann won't let Bobby Wood come to MLS, but guess what? I also said Jurgen Klinsmann won't let Josie Altidore come to MLS. <laughs> Clearly, that didn't work out. So I don't think Jurgen Klinsmann has much sway at this point in this in in, in dictating where players might wind up. So. Um, but you know what? Kidding aside, Bobby Wood could MLS wouldn't be a bad place for him to go. So we'll see. We'll see where he winds up. And dropping down a few age groups, the US U twenty team after it was doom and gloom and they weren't going to qualify for the World Cup uh, last week's show. Ivis, that was the talk that we had. They go out and spank Aruba eight to zero. Surprise, surprise! And then they defeat Jamaica two to zero. US that has one final game in their group against Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, U.S. just needs a draw in that to go advance to the playoff stage to qualify. And, uh, and I think uh, you know, the majority of everyone was a little premature on uh, the panic button for the U.S. U-20 team. I don't know. But I don't, honestly, it's not premature because when it comes down to it, the biggest concern is the fact that this team has not looked good and has not played well. And these two recent results have not changed that. They played two absolutely atrocious teams in Aruba and Jamaica. Jamaica's the host country. They're the host team. But their team is a mess. Their team is terrible. Anybody who – look, the Aruba game, let's not even discuss it because it was a joke. Yeah, was, that's, was that game that doesn't game. mean anything. The Jamaica game was supposed to be a bit of a better test, but Jamaica was atrocious. They couldn't put three passes together. Uh, and the U.S. didn't – even with that, the U.S. didn't look good. They didn't come out of that game looking like they – like the team that any, that people expected them to have in this tournament. They still haven't shown it. We have yet to see this team – Play anywhere near as good as we as they were expected to play in this tournament. Now we'll see in this Trinidad game. Um, it's another game they should win. Um, if they don't, you know, if they, if they don't just lay another egg and Trinidad pulls the upset, um, but they need to show more. They need to show more as a team. It hasn't been good enough. It just has not been good enough. And, and Ty Ramos needs to figure some things out here because it, they should. You know, we all and he even said it going into the tournament. That for all the talent, they still have to do it on the field. There's going to be some tough games. Um, I get that. It's qualifying tournament. I know some people don't don't uh, appreciate the fact that even when it's these small countries, these games can still be tough games, right? And But this team still needs to do better. And it hasn't shown anywhere near as much as, it's, as it was supposed to show or, or was expected to show. We'll see now in this Trinidad game if they can turn it up a notch because they, when it gets down to the final game, because if they, if they do get the draw or win out of this game, then it's, then it's the winner take all game. Then it's the game that mm-hmm. will send them to the world cup. And more than likely they're going to have a tough opponent in that game. I mean, they They'll could be... end up playing Canada actually. Right. I mean, is that uh, there? I think Canada's chances are, are very slim. U.S. would most likely play Honduras, El Salvador at price Cuba. I'd say Canada's. Cuba's probably. ahead of Canada. Right yes, now? Cuba oh. is ahead of Canada right now. I didn't realize. Cuba. Yeah, it could I be could be worse. We, we could be the Canadians. Ooh. Wow, that's <laughs> I didn't. You know what? It shows you how much I've been keeping track. I thought Canada was doing all right. No, Canada's realize. not doing well. I didn't realize they fell apart. But anyway, 
it will be a tough it will be a tougher they're gonna face a tougher opponent in that winner take all game than they have faced since they lost to Panama. Mm-hmm. So they need to step it up in this next game. The result the result is it, it no kidding, the result. You need the result, but they need to play well. They need to find the gear. Because if they have another kind of mediocre game where they kind of barely get by and just get by on, on talent and not really execution, it's going to set them up for a fail. It's going to set them up for a loss in that winner-take-all game. They need to find that that gear that they haven't found yet. And we'll see We'll see if Ty Ramos can help them find that gear. they got a few, a few days now to regroup and get some rest. <clears throat> and we'll see who steps up because they need some people to start stepping up. And if you're wondering, U.S. cannot win their group um, based off points. Panama uh, looks like they'll probably win their group, play Mexico. Those two teams will qualify. In, in also in other U20 news that would that could that potentially had the opportunity at one time to be tied to the U.S. Um, Diego Fagundes Ives is now cat tied to Uruguay. Um, possibility of him playing for the U.S. is is gone out the door. He'll, he'll, you know that chance is done, over and done with. Yeah, it was always kind of a long shot, <clears throat> especially with Uruguay, Uruguay being so aggressive in in pursuing him. And uh, you know, you can't win them all. You can't win them all. And at the end of the day, he he was going to have to wait a few more years to 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 be eligible to play for the U.S. And and it was a lot to ask him to, to kind of put his international career on hold, especially when Uruguay was was actively pursuing him and offering him that opportunity. So you know what? You wish him the best. You'd like to see him rebound in 2015. He obviously had a disappointing 2014 with the New England Revolution. It's crazy how, you know, one year in 2013, he's the best teenager in MLS. The next year, he can't even get off the bench for New England. Um, But we'll see. I mean, the talent is still there. Uh, That's the scary part, that as good as New England was in 2014, they they reached that level without Diego Fagundes really being at his best. So if Fagundes can recapture that level of 2013, I mean, New England, man, you got to really like the chances. Uh, on the Americans abroad front, Jose Torres suffered. Uh, he, he had a back surgery, Ivis, and he's going to be out three to four months. He didn't play at all for the U.S. in 2014. Still kind of a long shot, but you know you just hate to see a guy get injured. Maybe you know somehow find a way to play himself back into the senior team with Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, just some unfortunate news to see that he's going to be out for such an extended period of time with an injury. <laughs> Is it ever good news with Americans abroad? No, it never, it never it's is like good news. There, there aren't even that many Americans abroad left, and now we, we're, we're having these, you know, we get a lengthy injury update on Jose Torres. Unfortunate for him. Uh, and yeah, you know, I mean, he's been he's been kind of out in the cold now. Uh, hasn't been a part of the uh, of Klinsman's setup uh, for for a while now. So, um, you know, you wish him the best. He's he obviously was doing. I thought he was doing well this past year in Mexico. So. You, you definitely would like to see him come back and recover. And you know what? There's still some time between now and the Gold Cup. So, um, you know, if he can get back, I mean, he's going to miss. He could miss up to, what is it, three months? So, um, you know, if he can get back by April and get a you know a couple months, you know, one or two months, six weeks in uh, in Liga MX before the end of their season, maybe, maybe he can make a run at the Gold Cup. But right now, it's not looking good for him. Also, in, in more bad news, Cody Cropper, the young goalkeeper at Southampton, uh, he had a nasty injury to his head, Ivis. Um, it looked pretty bad at first. to turn out to be so bad? But, I, I mean, like you said, man, it's just with Americans abroad, it's never good news anymore, it seems like. It's pretty bad. It's bad all it's, it's It's crazy, man. It's crazy when you look at the list of Americans abroad and how it has dwindled. That's uh, crazy. You're gonna have to start tracking like the you know U20 game results and stuff like that just to 
get our fix of Americans abroad news. I'm sure we can find like some American guys playing in just like bizarre countries around the world. Nah, you know what? I, I feel for like me, there's always I, these guys. I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather track. I'd rather track the Americans playing in Bundesliga three over, <laughs> you know, players playing in or like Estonia, Uzbekistan or somewhere like yeah. that. No, no offense to Uzbekistan, but. Great! You just you I, just pissed off everyone who's Uzbekistan. Listen to the show. I think Good any job, player Iris. Uzbekistan would rather play in the German third division. That's just my opinion. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and uh, on that note, dropping down a level in American soccer to NASL. Um, Ronaldo Ivis, the original Ronaldo, says he wants to play for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Dude, I'm convinced he could still score at least 20 goals if he played for a full season. Have you seen the guy? He could still play, man. I, I mean, he's not going to serious? play defense, but just put him up top. You're drunk. No, come on, man. Dude, he, <laughs> he could easily will. score 20. Come on, Ivis. Please tell me you're going to buy into this, too. No. It's a, it's all a hype train. It's all a circus. It's all PR stunts. And i got to say, I feel kind of bad for Ronaldo, man. I mean, the guy's a legend. I mean, he, he was my favorite player uh, when he was in his prime. And, you know, I've told the story a million times about – Asking him, asking him the first legitimate question at the 2002 World Cup final. Oh, I heard about that. I heard, you, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you butcher that question. <laughs> it was a great question. Highlight of my career that, that, that getting that question. But the guy is. I mean, you feel for him, right? I mean, these Fort Lauderdale owners that have him propped up. It's all a publicity stunt. I mean, he, he he's. I mean, I'm sure he he has a stake in the club. But to stoop to the level of trying to stir up interest by saying he might play for them. Like, come on, Ronaldo, you're better than that. I think I think that's unfortunate. Um, I mean, hey, if, I, if 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 real if he could realistically play, that'd be great. I mean, everyone would love that. But it's I'd rather never see him play again than to see him be a joke and and be a shell of himself. And I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of. Dude, he could still score twenty goals. I was come on. In, yeah, if he played FIFA. No. If he played, if he played you in FIFA, he probably would. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone could. The five year old kid down the street could probably kick my ass in FIFA. Um, on some other also. In FIFA and anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. FIFA <laughs> and, and in life. Um, and fist fighting. <laughs> that too, actually. Eh, I don't know. I'd probably get at least one or two good punches in, and then I'd be probably done after that. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, also, uh, New York Cosmos, Ivis have gone off. Inside Walter Restrepo from San Antonio. Uh, what do you make of this move? Well, that's a big move for, uh, you know, he's one of the better players in the league. And uh, once again, the Cosmos have swooped in and, and, and grabbed one of the top players from a, from a competitor. And look, this is, this is how it's done in the rest of the world, right? I mean, uh, you have to appreciate that about NESL, that it, it does have that component that MLS doesn't have, where, you know, a team can go and buy a player from another team in the league, and, and or, or, you know, sign away players. There is free agency. There, there are transfers, and and that's totally fine. It's totally natural, <laughs> part of the world game. It'd be great if MLS had those things. MLS doesn't have those things. I love how you had to say that's like totally fine to let everyone know that. <laughs> no, you know, you know why? Because it's like there's an entire section of American fandom that is completely oblivious to this concept of. Of free agency and, and and teams being able to swoop in and take players from other teams. I mean that's that's how it is in the rest of the world. And but there's obviously some MLS fans who only follow MLS and aren't as kind of versed on how the rest of the world works. And uh, the Cosmos man, they're not playing around. They're not afraid to spend money. Um, 
And and I'm sure San, I think this is the second year in a row now San Antonio has lost the top player to the Cosmos. So they they obviously can't be happy about that. Um, but I don't know, man. The Cosmos they, they just keep spending money. I mean, they already have Raul. They go get Restrepo. They've been linked now to Samuel Eto, which just seems like craziness <laughs> to me. But I've been told it's serious. It's legitimate. Oh, they, oh dude, that's I, like two percent. Hey, who would have had Raul going? I mean, let's just be. Let's just. Be yeah, crazy. but come on, Samuel Ito can still play at a high level, yeah, a little higher he, than Raul. Samuel Ito, he's made a bazillion dollars. He can come to New York. He, he who, you know what? That's. A, I don't think people realize the allure that New York has for some people. I mean, Terry Henry came here, and he could have still been playing in New York. He came here because he always wanted to live in New York. Always wanted to have that experience of living in New York. So it shouldn't shock anybody if Samuel Ito. At some point in his career, decides that he wants to do it. I mean, it's not like Ito's a young guy. How old is Samuel Ito? Yeah, he's actually thirty-three years old. He's a little, he's a little he's older. Not, than he's not was. a kid. He's not a kid, yeah. and he's made a bazillion dollars. I mean, he's made a lot of money. I don't even. Think, I don't even think that's a number, Ivis. It's a, it is a number. <laughs> in Uzbekistan, it's a number. Um, no, but uh, he, he uh, Samuel Ito. I'm not saying he's coming. He probably won't. I mean, that's that's probably a bridge too far, but. I, I, I don't think we should write these kind of moves off anymore, man. The Cosmos, they they, they have the money. And 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 now I think Fort Lauderdale's owners also have, have quite a bit of money. So, you know what? NASL, it, it, it's good for American soccer, for NASL to get stronger and stronger, for NASL's owners to start throwing some real money around and putting some pressure on MLS because you want to have a little bit of competition there between those two sides, between uh, MLS and NASL. And uh, and. Uh, the stronger they, the the stronger that NASL is, the better it is for MLS, in my opinion. Hey, did you say that that Toe is linked with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers? I mean, him and Ronaldo up top. Oh my gosh, this is like 2005 all over again, Ivis. Uh, I didn't say the Strikers wanted them. I'm saying the Strikers have money, uh, allegedly. I mean, their owners have like they have a wealthy uh, the, Bra- yeah, the Brazilian guys, right? So you figure if they have money, they can go get you know. They can go get some players that that are high profile that aren't, you know, thirty seven and 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 should not be playing anymore like Ronaldo. So we'll see, we'll see. I mean, this is an inter- this is going to be an interesting year for NASL as they expand and as they draw more and more attention. Like I, I agree, man. Competition is good, and competition is good in anything in life. And and having a league that can can you know contend. You know, I was not going to contend against Major League Soccer, but just to kind of be there, be that thorn in the side. Hey, you know, don't forget about us. I think I think that's good for American soccer in the long run. I agree, and I tell you what, what I would love to see next is NASL going after the college players, going after uh, top college. They talent. already they already did that. They already started doing that last year, Ivis. Who the, who they do that with? Um, with the pick that Vancouver had, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Andre but, Lewis. Yeah, thank you. He's like he, he was a college player. Oh wait, no, he wasn't. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> my my no, bad. But no, we're kidding aside. No, I mean, hey, I tell you what, I heard that this is an interesting one. This might, this is, this might be a little breaking news here. Now, I heard that the Jacksonville Armada made a serious offer for Ricardo Velasco, the Louisville player that you know. Of. Who, who's that guy? No one knows who that is. Uh well, anyway, he's a very highly rated. Uh, I know who, Ricardo's Ricardo's a very good I player. Know you know, but I'm telling, I'm oh, okay. telling listeners. Carter Velasco, very talented uh, junior from the University of Louisville. I believe he has ties to Real Salt Lake as a homegrown player. He played at the academy for two years there. Right. Uh, Jacksonville made him a full-fledged offer to sign him now. And he chose he, – he, he passed it up. He chose to stay in school. He wants to play in MLS. But I think you're going to start seeing more of that. 
you're going to start seeing, and I think you should. I think, uh, as uh, I mean, a while back we heard Mikey Ambrose, the Maryland left back, very talented defender, um, someone who, you know, by all rights, FC Dallas should have drafted as a homegrown player. They went and got Otis Earl in the draft instead, um, but he signed with the Austin Aztecs in USL Pro. Uh, so I think I think we're going to start seeing more college players. Uh, go that route, and I think there's going to at some point there's going to be a time when I think NASL will start to become a more viable option for some college players. Well, yes and no. I mean, it also helps that Major League Soccer is doing that USL Pro thing, and that 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 also will help out the the situation for a lot of these guys I've who are drafted who aren't ready yet. Well, that only helps Pro team. time, but it doesn't help necessarily for salaries. I mean, if if NASL true, true. can offer competitive salaries, if NASL can start to offer College top college talent, competitive salaries. Because M- look, this is the, this is what the deal with MLS. MLS has been lowering and lowering the salary threshold for rookies in recent years, both on the Generation Adidas front and on the senior signing front, um, giving them less and less money. And NASL they could take advantage of that because if it gets to a point now where where MLS lowers that enough, where NASL can be competitive then NASL could maybe start to pick off some of those players. And maybe then MLS will have to look at it and say, well, I guess we're going to have to start paying these rookies some real money because we can't lowball them anymore. We can't offer them, you know, the money that we've been offering them because NASL can offer more. And again, that's why it's good to have competition. That's why it's good to have a growing and prosperous NASL to keep MLS in check. This just, to me, just seems kind of like how the USFL started. They kind of like these competing leagues for like the NBA and, and NFL back in the day, where they kind of came up. They started signing all these players, and then somehow they found a way to kind they're of backdoor their way in. I know we're they're not there yet, but it just seems that, that it just seems, it just seems like it could it could get there though. But you know what? Those things were good for those leagues. The a, the ABA helped the NBA. The AFL. Help the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, those mergers were big for those leagues. So we're still way far down the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A thought. I mean, if anything, I think MLS wants USL Pro to develop into the kind of league that they can kind of combine with. And I mean, obviously, they're already forming partnerships and they're really trying to prop up USL Pro. <clears throat> but I just think having a vibrant and strong NASL can only help the entire landscape. And I'm sure MLS would disagree. I'm sure MLS would rather not have anyone that it has to compete with. Um, but you know what? More competition, the better. Competition is a good thing, Ivis. It's always a good thing. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> I'm sick, man. Stop asking me questions that I don't need to talk about. What do you mean? My my throat is killing me, dude. You're asking me, let, let's move on. That's because you party too hard, dude. I'm not going to disagree there. <laughs> I'm still recovering. Hey, look. It was a long week at the combine and at the draft, and I'm not saying I, I closed the bar down every night, but others might say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How many how many nights did you close on the bar? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, stop it! You know, you always do that. You always pretend like, oh, I have no idea. I don't write. Uh, um, uh, every night. <laughs> I think every night. That's why I'm still recovering. But it is what it is, man. It's that, it's that time of year. You want to spend as much time as possible with the people that you you know you you, you don't get to see all the time, mm-hmm. and and also getting to know some some people who you've only recently met. It's good. It's good. I mean, it, it's I, I tell you what, <clears throat> spending the week down at the combine, 
in a couple of days into draft. Uh, it definitely has me pumped up for the new season. I mean, uh, talking to a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs, and and and, and getting a sense from them about the new year and the changes that have been made, the plans that have been put in place, the the signings, the the transformation, the roster transformations, all that stuff, man. It, it, this is this, look 2015. I think I can't remember a year where I, where there was more kind of I don't know excitement for the the, the year as a whole. For the league as a whole, and obviously expansion helps that when you have two expansion teams that, that are coming in, already making huge moves. I think that's obviously a big boost. And uh, I don't know, man. I just think like this is really going to be a good year. I'm excited. Dude. This off season has been nonstop, almost every single day. Like you said, it seemed weird that today on Monday there was no news. Well, uh, look, it was a holiday. Obviously, Martin Luther King's birthday. Uh, you know, you can't can't forget that. Uh, that pre- pretty special holiday. Um, but also, you know, people just needed to recover from the week that was because uh, there was obviously a lot of wheeling and dealing, a lot of traveling, a lot of partying. <laughs> it, it was a good time, man. It was, uh, you know, a lot of deals obviously got done, um, a lot of movement taking place. Uh, also a significant moment for me, I have, I think I have officially transitioned from Jack and Coke to Jack and Ginger. And I don't know what it means. I don't know if the I, – I, I, mean, I haven't looked up yet what the significance of that is, but I think – I think it's a, I think it's better for me to drink ginger instead of in, instead of coke, but time will tell. Hmm. Looking on the Google, I typed in people who drink Jack and ginger. Whenever it describes these people, no, nothing came up either. So I think you might. Be yeah, well, look, when it comes down to it, gin, uh, ginger ale is is not as bad for your like system and your stomach and everything as coke. Coke, coke is just terrible. Coke is just not good for you because it's. I mean. Regular Coke has tons of sugar and the acidity of it. It's just, it's just terrible. Like I, 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 I it, it reminds like Jurgen Klinsmann. Has, he always makes a deal about about soda. Like he, like he, he loathes the concept of soda, and anybody who drinks soda is like the devil. Like it's crazy. So you know, and Coke is the worst of them all. Like I think just in terms of the makeup and whatever. Um, so, um, but yeah, no, drinking Jack and Ginger, it's a, it's a smoother drink. It's a, we'll see if it sticks, but I. I uh, I, I I did it for a few days now. I think I'm I think it's officially. I think I'm keeping it. I think I'm going with the Jack and Ginger. Oh my god! I just came across this really weird website that describes people who drink certain drinks. I, it's too inappropriate to mention on this show. I'll have to send it to you <laughs> off the air. Uh, uh, don't worry. I'll Google it. I'll Google it a little bit. We wrap everything up. The major, the four, third and fourth rounds of the Super Draft is on Tuesday. Are there any things that we should watch for? Or are there any names that we should pay attention to? Well. I've already uh, put out a, a list of, of top players available uh, on SBI. You can check that out. There's quite a bit of talent. Uh, I, I, I've, I, I said it before the draft that uh, on top end talent, the league was uh, the this draft was a little light. But when you got into the deeper part of the draft, like 11 through 50, there was more quality there. And obviously, when you had so many so many teams kind of making surprise picks uh, in the first two rounds. There's obviously more. There's more talent there. Uh, someone like UCLA defender Aaron Simmons, I think he could absolutely be the first player off the board to Orlando City. He's someone to watch out for. Uh, Andy Craven's still out there, the North Carolina forward. Uh, Ramon Marti- Martin Del Campo, the UC Davis defender, whose stock dropped so much, uh, you know, in, in, at the combine. He's still out there. I think he still has good value. There's there's some there's some talent at, at every position. I mean, if you need a goalkeeper, you've got. Uh, you know, Andrew Wolverton of Penn State. You got Spencer Ritchie of Washington. If you need fullbacks, you have there's right back and left back options. There, there's a little something for everybody. Uh, are these guys going to step in and start for you at this point? Probably not. 
but there is talent there in terms of guys who can make rosters and who can develop eventually into players in this league. So um, I know some people will say, oh, these, these rounds don't mean anything. There will be, be no talent in this part of the draft, but I disagree. I think the third round, there are quite a few talented players still left, and, and I think the teams that take it seriously uh, could come away with a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice bonus to their, to their drafts. And with that, Ivis, it wraps up uh, today's SBI show. I think we covered all the bases. Anything else we need to discuss? No, that's it. Um, I mean, hopefully we can have a show in the middle of the week, uh, do like a Wednesday show or something, because we need some guests. We need to get some guests. Our schedules just are not working out. Um, mm-hmm. I know people were going crazy about the fact that we didn't have a post-draft show. Um, that just It just wasn't going to work. I mean, Thursday night was a little crazy after the draft. It, was just, it just wasn't time to do it. Why, why was it crazy? Well, just you know, having to change hotels, having to write my stuff for goal and, and, and edit and, you know, and then party. Party. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, well, look, I call it networking. You and my wife call it party. I call it networking because, you know what, if you're spending time with people in the business, people who, who, who in some cases are sources and, uh, and in some cases are just people in the industry, you know what? It's part of the deal. It's, uh, I mean, not, you know, obviously there's friend, you have friends in the business, but uh, it's always good to network. It's always good to, to, to kind of meet new people and, and see old people, old friends, and people that you already know. And it's all part of the deal, man. It's all how, it's, it's how the. Ma- of course, it's networking. It's not what you know in life, it's who you know. Exactly. It's how the magic happens. And, and, and I know people are always like, well, how do, you, how do you find out about all this stuff? How do, you, how do you find out this is happening beforehand or that happening? You know what? It's called having a good network of sources and uh it's all about keeping that network up and going and, and replenishing it and finding new new sources and uh that's why for that's why i always say this is my, my favorite time of the year mls combine mls draft um because you just meet meet so many people you get to talk to so many people reconnect with so many people and uh, it sets it up for what's going to be this is gonna be a great year man i'm already uh, counting the days to opening day in orlando i will i absolutely plan to be in orlando uh, I'm probably going to book my ticket pretty soon here to to make sure I'm going to be there. Um, just talking to the Orlando City guys uh, over the week and and hearing them talk about all the plans they have for that first game and it's going to be a great year, man. Uh, and these two, it's going to be exciting to see how these two teams do. I think Orlando City is going to be a hit uh, in terms of just you know how how the fans there, how that city is going to embrace that team. Obviously, NYCFC is still kind of uh, you know. There's some uncertainty there, but at the same time, they also have things to be feel, uh, to, to kind of look forward to. If you're an NYCFC fan, or if you're someone who would like to see that team kind of, you know, be a strong team in the league, you go, you know, they go assign Mick Stiskrud. They obviously have Jason Christ as their head coach. Um, you know, they, they 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 had some good picks in the draft as well. I thought they did well in the draft. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see, man. It's uh, it'll be here before you know it, man. What is it? Less than two months away? Is what is it? Six weeks away? Preseason starts in like two weeks. Weeks, I think there's some teams already starting, like this week. This week? Oh my gosh, you're right. We're in the third week. This this month has been going by way too fast. I keep forgetting that that this month's like almost over. It's it's a blur, man. There is no offseason. I know. Hey, real quick, going through this supplemental draft in 2012, a player by the name of Miguel Ibarra was selected in the second round of the supplemental draft. So, like you said, Ivis, there are some hidden gems out there. That's right, and. To be technical, today is the third and fourth round of the draft. It's not the supplemental draft. You're right. I'm sorry. I should, should but say that. My apologies. It's, it, it is what it is. It, whatever you do, don't call it the super draft because I just think they need to give that up already. I think hopefully next year they will do away with the super part of that and just call it a draft. 
Or maybe the Mega Draft. That would be cool. <laughs> but you know what? Don't give them any ideas. They don't. They don't listen to this show, anyways. That's true. No, they do. They do. Believe me. Mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I don't know. Awkward pause. I don't know. Uh, all right, man. I'm, I'm going to let you go. You have a good week, man. Let, let's try to. Uh, We'll get a show up later this week. We don't know what day, but we can at least promise one more show. We can at least promise minimum of one more SBI show this week. We will have a show, one more show this week. I would like to have two shows because I'd like to get, I'd like to round up some guests because we had people who wanted to be guests on our show last week who were ready to be guests on our show and we couldn't, we couldn't do it timing wise. We, uh, but you know what? Hopefully, uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday, we can, uh, we can set down a reasonable time and get some, and have some of those guests on our show. Yes, and, it, and, and and listen, folks. If there's people you'd like to have as guests on our show, let us know in the comment section and be reasonable. Don't say, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo. Don't say, you know, if there's an MLS coach or, or a rookie or a new signing. You know, stuff in that range. Let us know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what we can do. Or anyone. They don't have to be soccer related too. I just think they could be anyone. I won't go that far. <laughs> so, I think short of maybe, I could probably get some UFC fighters if anybody wanted, but. <laughs> Barring that, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much more we could do in the guest territory. We have, you know, like Hollywood celebrities. Uh, that would have to be your department, and I don't know who you can get. Please, you're more connected to me. You're on TMZ Sports, dude. Come on. You're the Hollywood. You're always in LA. Not anymore. Hollywood, Gary Clinton. <laughs> well, first off, when I lived in LA, I lived in Orange County too, in Anaheim. Like boring. I wasn't even in Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on. Yes, All right, Iris. Uh, I'm going to let you go, man. You have a good week. And I'll, t- I'll ch- chat with you later. All right. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. That is Ivis Galarsip. I am Gareth Cleverly. This is the SBI Show.